This scripture reading and the following address were part of the YouTube streamed worship video by St Paul's Lutheran Church, Box Hill, Victoria, Australia, on May 22, 2022. For more information, visit www.stballsboxhill.org.au. according to St. John, beginning at verse 23 of chapter 14. Jesus said, Those who love me will keep my word, and my Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words. And the word that you hear is not mine, but is from the Father who sent me. I have said these things to you while I am still with you. But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you everything and remind you of all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not let them be afraid. You heard me say to you, I am going away, and I am coming to you. If you loved me, you would rejoice that I am going to the Father, because the Father is greater than I. And now I have told you this before it occurs, so that when it does occur, you may believe. This is the Gospel of our Lord. Dear friends, I bring you grace and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ and from your Advocate and Friend, the Holy Spirit. Jesus said to them, I'm going away and I'm coming to you. If you loved me, you'd rejoice that I'm going to the Father, because the Father is greater than I. And now I've told you this before it occurs, so that when it does occur, you may believe. Please be seated. And let's pray. Holy Spirit, thank you for reminding the disciples of all that Jesus said and did before he was taken up and removed from their sight. Thank you that you used those first witnesses to bring to us your word and that you have promised to speak to us through your word to teach us and remind us about you, even today. Speak now, Lord, and give us ears to hear. Amen. Now, this is a picture of the tomb of Lenin in central Moscow. And in the first service, we had a few people that had actually been there. So just quick hands up if you've been to Lenin's tomb. I want to ask you what you saw in there. I'd better tell you what you, what you would see in there is that for 75 years, the body of the founder of the Soviet communist system, Vladimir Lenin, lay preserved in this building which lies at the very heart, soul and centre of Moscow. 
It's right next to the Kremlin. St. Basil's Cathedral, an important symbol in the Russian Orthodox Church, is close by. And for over half a century, this mausoleum was a place of religious pilgrimage for millions. Why was Lenin's body preserved in this place? And why is it still preserved today? It's my understanding that within the Russian Orthodox tradition, there's a popular belief that the bodies of saints are incorruptible and they don't decay after death. Now, I'm not sure if that's an official teaching of the Russian Orthodox Church, I don't know. But if that's a, a, a popular belief, it would seem to follow that the Soviet communist leaders aimed to use that belief and to use Lenin's preserved body to maintain their status and power. Lenin's tomb became a place of pilgrimage almost immediately after his death. They even established a government department, the Commission for the Immortalisation of the Memory of Lenin, which had the job of preserving the body and stopping it from decay. I bet you Anthony Albanese is happy he hasn't got something like that to look after. The party justified actions through the so-called spirit and worship of Lenin. Decisions would be declared in the name of Lenin and followers would recite, Lenin lived, Lenin lives and Lenin will live. Does it sound familiar? After 75 years, it all came to an end with the collapse of the Soviet system. And yet, Vladimir Lenin's cook's grandson, a gentleman named Vladimir Putin, would seem to be seeking to reclaim the glory days of the Soviet Empire, wouldn't he? And that's not turning out well for anybody. It's pretty macabre, isn't it? And let's face it, downright creepy. The communist authorities took the dead body of their leader and they tried to give him some kind of eternal life by preserving his corpse. I wonder if Lenin spoke to his followers before his death about this. Was this some kind of plan? I've got, I've got no idea. What I do know, dear friends, what I'm sure of is that Jesus spoke very clearly to his followers before his death and resurrection. He was very intentional and careful and clear about preparing them for what was about to happen. There's a couple of places in the gospel where there's a, a pivotal moment where we're told Jesus began to very clearly explain that he was going to go up to Jerusalem, be betrayed, would go to that would be executed in that abominable way on a cross by his enemies, and on the third day he would rise again. Now they didn't get it at the time, but they they got it later. In John's gospel, there's a lot of talk of Jesus, Jesus himself talking about his going away and his returning. So John's Gospel has this teaching, this theme, if you like, in, you start about chapter 13 through 17 of John's Gospel, marvellous chapters. This, by the way, was Luther's favourite book, and this was Luther's favourite section of this book. So I encourage you, after this sermon, to go home and just read this marvellous account of the last hours, the night when Jesus was betrayed, the final meal when he gets up from the meal and washes their feet, and then when he teaches them these marvellous things. He teaches them many things. One, I want to address just two themes in this sermon. 
There's many more that we could go into, but just two themes for this sermon. He's not leaving them without hope. He's not leaving them even without peace and joy, although he is clear about the terrible event that is about to take place. So the first theme is the going away and the coming to you again language. What I'm going to do is read you just a few of those key verses across those chapters. I'm not going to give you the chapter and verse reference because that could... might be a bit distracting. You can look that up in the sermon notes. But just listen to this theme as Jesus reassures and comforts his disciples. My children, I'll be with you only a little longer. You will look for me. I tell you now, where I am going, you cannot come. Don't let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. Can you hear the joy in my voice? We, we, we preachers get to preach that at funeral sermons, but quite rarely in the church on a Sunday morning. What beautiful words for you today not just for funerals. I'll not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. And the final one. Very truly, I tell you, it's for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And this is the second theme. First theme is the going away and the coming back. The second theme I want to talk to you about is the promise of this this person, this advocate. And behind this is a marvellous word, which I should have actually had in English, not in in Greek. The word in English is parakletos, or paraclete. And it is a marvellous New Testament word which can mean counsellor, comforter, advocate, someone who comes along, puts his arms around you and, and advocates for you, even in a court of law, a helper, a guide, a friend. Unless I go away, Jesus said, the advocate will not come to you, but if I go, I will send him to you. So listen to some of those Listen to the theme in these chapters. Again, a few select verses. I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counsellor, the paraclete, the Holy Spirit, to help you and to be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. When the Holy Spirit comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. And from today's text, from our Gospel reading that we've heard today, the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything that I have said to you. Wow. 
We're soaking in the words of Jesus, aren't we? Words which we are told in John chapter 12, verse 16, his disciples did not understand at first, but when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things had been written of him and had been done to him. Who reminded them? He will remind you of everything that I've said to you. Now, dear sisters and brothers in Christ, this is not just a back then, for them, for then message. This is a right now, today, for you and for me message. These words which the Holy Spirit caused to be remembered are yours and mine in the Scriptures. The eyewitness testimonies of Jesus' death and resurrection, this 40-day period that we're in now, which comes to an end this Thursday, which will be celebrated here in this church next week, is when Jesus finally is removed from their sight. But he has not left them as orphans, or you, or me. Who has he sent, and who do we have, and who is speaking and reminding us and teaching us, even through this poor preacher? The Holy Spirit, your comforter, your counsellor, your guide. So let's contrast. Well, first of all, let's, let's draw a contrast between that effort by the Soviets and other political systems have done this too, to preserve the corpse of a dead leader and build some creepy mausoleum around his body. Let's contrast that with what the Lord of the universe, the living risen Jesus of Nazareth has done. For one thing, we've got no way of knowing exactly where it happened back then. This picture is from a commemorative arch that the Romans built somewhere around the first century, shortly after 70, 72 AD, I think. When the Roman army went into Jerusalem, into the temple that Jesus had walked in and talked in and taught in, and they smashed it to smithereens. It's like someone raising central Melbourne. It would have the same psychological effect. And Jesus had told them that not one stone will be upon another. And they carried the precious items from the temple, phenomenal wealth. They carried it back to Rome and they commemorated it. And Jerusalem was utterly obliterated. So today we can go there. It's only speculation as to exactly where the events happened that are recorded in the Gospels. Our Lord, the living Lord, the risen King, the one who is alive, does not want us to be locating himself back in some dusty street or some tomb. Yeah, our human, our human nature loves to set up mausoleums. But false gods are dead gods. And we don't have to follow them because we have a living God and saviour and advocate. And Christianity is not a political movement. It's a person, a living person, Jesus, who is coming to us now. Coming to you this week in the face of whatever death or decay or change you might see, coming to you, even in the face of a changing political guard, and we can joke about it, but let's give thanks for the stability of this country and the political system that we have, and let's pray for our new Prime Minister, even as we give thanks for the previous one. Jesus is alive through it all. 
And the church is not a mausoleum. The church is not a mausoleum. Have you noticed how, well, maybe you haven't, but we pastors, I've got to let you in on a secret. We don't, we don't particularly like funeral chapels. It's not professional jealousy. It's because only one thing happens in a funeral chapel, a funeral. We love churches and congregations. Don't you love this place? Don't you love the light and the life and the music and the children and the font and the celebrations that happen in here, weddings? Yes, and funerals. Because the living Lord wants to embrace us even at that moment, and he does, to give us the hope that we need to reassure us that it's not the end. We don't build mausoleums, dear friends, we build churches. And Jesus locates himself Be certain about it. In his grace, he locates himself here in the church in a really precious way. And I want to say something too, just quickly, to Eden, to Gemma, to Zara, to Stella, Jabet and Samuel here this morning. We rejoice with you because you're coming to communion for the first time, I believe. Well, Jesus locates himself here in this communion supper for you. Wow. Through his word, which which he makes... He connects it to some water in your baptism and this bread and this wine. It's where, where your saviour is. It's where you find him. Not because he's limited, but he wants you to have the assurance. This is for you, for your forgiveness, for your sins. But where else is Jesus? Where else is the church, we might ask? And this was the question that they asked Jesus that day. Before our gospel reading, Judas, not Judas Iscariot, had asked Jesus about how the rest of the world would find out about him. Jesus responds immediately to Judas, how will they find out? Those who love me will keep my word and my father will love them and we will come to them and make our home with them. So dear friends, Jesus is present in you and with you and through you. We dare not make this beautiful building an idol my friend, Pastor Matt Anker, who was involved in, uh, had the privilege of being involved in the St. Paul's Shepherd and Lutheran Church, a beautiful new church in recent times, says we should have, we Lutherans, a special ritual, a rite, called the rite of the shopping trolley for new churches. And it works like this. The, the Sunday after the new church is dedicated, we bring the shopping trolley in and we bash it into the wall up the front side, just take a chunk out. Get over and done with. Just like when you buy a new car. You with me? <laughs> Let's not be so precious about the building, as wonderful as it is and as a, as a marvellous gift of God it is. Where's our living Lord? He's in you and through you. And as you go out from this place, he hasn't left you alone. He sent you his spirit. He's refreshing you in that Holy Spirit now and promises to do it each day. So as you go, know that the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit have made their home in you and go joyfully and go attentively. Ask him to show you who, what encounter is he's prepared for you this week. Who is it going to be that you may be able to just point them, nudge them in, in, in one little step towards hope, towards life, towards the salvation that you know you've received. Be encouraged. He's going on ahead of you. He's preparing the way because he's alive, he's risen from the dead, 
and he's your Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. St. Paul reminds us that no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Let's say it together now. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. The peace of God which is beyond all human understanding. Keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus now and forevermore. Amen.